Hi, I'm Bailey. And I'm Kara. And this is Mimosas with Hermosa podcast. We're glad you're here. Cheers. Cheers. Kara, I've got a one-liner for you. I can't wait. I need a little more enthusiasm from you, Kelly. I can't wait. (laughs) Did you know it takes guts to be an organ donor? Wow. (laughs) I was not aware (laughs) of those type of guts. No. Wow, that's such an important, that should be on a billboard for, like, organ donation. <laughs> that, that would be a so great good. line. It takes guts. I love it, dude. Here we go. Here we go. Ideas. My mind is just exploding with ideas. You're so, so welcome for that joke. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I leave for Israel in I don't know how many hours it's 747 I mean less than f- less than 72 yeah so update on podcasts our lives whatever this episode is pre-recorded because as Kara said she's going to Israel we yeah. are very excited for her to go she's going to give us a pre-trip synopsis in this episode and then when she gets back, we're going to talk about the whole trip and all of its details, as only Kara can do. And I'm just excited for you. I'm really excited. So a lot of people have asked, like, how this came about. And about, I guess it's been a whole year, like a year in 2021, March of 2021, my best friend, um, her parents decided that they wanted to go spend 10 or so days in the Holy Land. And I was in the car when they called her and asked her if she wanted to go with them. And I originally, like, obviously, as you would expect, was like, um, well, I'm also going to go too. And that was just a joke. Um, It's somewhere that's, I guess, been on my bucket list, but somewhere that I never thought I'd actually get a chance to go to. Um, My pastor's been some family friends of ours have gone. And so it was somewhere I would love to see, but never thought I'd get to. And I was just jokingly saying, um, I, I'm going to go with you. And so a couple of weeks later, maybe just, maybe just a few days later, they reached out to me. My best friend reached out and was like, okay, I know you were joking, but like, what if you really did? Could you swing it being gone from the kids that long? And could Mitchell handle it with, you know, your mom and your mother-in-law's help and all of that. And so we molded over for quite some time, but ultimately I couldn't get my mind off of it. Like I just knew that this was going to be a life-changing experience for me. I knew it from the very start. And so, um, I said, yes. And at the time we were going to go with a different group than we are now. And some changes happened and this is where it kind of gets crazy and this is very family tree-ish, so follow with me. But my mom has one brother. That one brother has one daughter. So that is my first cousin. My only cousin, my only first cousin on that side of the family. 
she and my sister and I have always been very close and she um, married obviously her husband and her husband's sister's husband. So her husband's brother-in-law is a pastor and he helped pastor with our pastor, my cousin and her husband's wedding. Caroline was a flower girl in the wedding. And so I remember meeting her husband's brother-in-law at the wedding. And um, I knew that he was a pastor in Tennessee, but I didn't know that the people I'm going to Israel with knew him until about, I don't know, a year and a half ago, maybe. And so um, when my best friend's parents reached out and said that they wanted me to go, asked me if I would go with them and changed who we were originally going with, it came down to, we're going to go with, his name is Jordan. We're going to go with Jordan and his church because my best friend's parents used to be at the same church that he was at, or he used to be at their church. And so they know him and they are, they live in Tennessee. And then I know him because he helped marry my cousin and is every family get together with my cousin and her husband because that's her husband's brother-in-law. So it's just really crazy how God kind of strung it all together. And especially since that wasn't the original group that we were going to go with and now we are, and it's just, it's been a really cool process figuring out how it's all connected and how God's just orchestrated it. Um, so anyway, that trip was originally scheduled for November 28th, I believe, was when we were going to leave. And 24 hours before my flight out of Austin to, we were going to go to Tel Aviv. 24 hours before that, Israel's um, security and safety measures are so strict that they realized they had one positive case of Omicron in within their borders, one case through the whole country, and they shut down their borders. And so 24 hours prior to the flight, we got word from the pastor that this trip was going to have to be put on hold because Israel was not going to allow us in the country. Shut down the border. They said it was going to be for 14. A good bit longer than that, but I think we all kind of expected it to be longer. So... Originally, the, the itinerary had an entire day in Bethlehem. And then this my favorite part of the whole trip was that we were going to attend the annual tree lighting ceremony in Bethlehem. And it was going to be a televised experience. There was going to be um, professional like celebrity singers that were going to come. A lot of like digni- dignified Uh, personnel from the country of Israel and, and different, I think maybe surrounding countries. I'm not sure, but there was, it was going to be a big deal. And so um, we were also told that we were to perform different songs and, and the pastor that we're going with Jordan was going to preach a sermon at this annual tree lighting ceremony in Bethlehem. So you're watching a tree be lit in the city, in the little town that Jesus was born in, in a manger and, and it's Christmas time. So you're in Bethlehem at Christmas time. And so that was so surreal to us to be able to think about experiencing that. And so when the trip got put on hold, that opportunity went away. 
so we're now going in March and it obviously it's not Christmas anymore and I'm kind of sad that that part is missing from the itinerary but I know that this will be divine and so many I'm sure eye-opening experiences and I'm just really excited to see how God works on this trip and what he he allows me to see and what changes I can feel um I don't know I just feel like I told my church this on Sunday but I just feel like I'm gonna be I I know that I feel God's presence around me a lot, but I just feel like it's going to be magnified times 10,000 when I'm actually over there walking where he walked and seeing the things he saw and experiencing some of the same experiences. And um, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. Obviously with the pending situation in Ukraine, I'm a little bit leery. I'm not leery for my safety at all. Um, I am a little bit concerned with how quickly they shut down the borders with one positive case of Omicron in regards to their security measures. I'm kind of concerned with how quickly they might shut down the borders when there's a pending world war. Um, I almost don't want to say that aloud because I don't want it to happen. But it is something that I kind of have to give attention to and think about what, how I would react to something happening where we're maybe stuck there a little bit longer than we expected to or, you know, things like that. So it's definitely been a place where my mind has gone over the last few days, but there hasn't really been any concern of mine for my safety while I'm there. Um, This will definitely be the longest flight I've ever been on. I think there's one flight when I'm coming home is 11 hours. So uh, I have no idea what to even expect with that. But anyway, very excited for this trip. I'm excited to share what happens when I get home. But um, there's been a lot of, I mean, my bags were entirely packed in November, and I had to unpack them all. So obviously, I'm even Larry right now, Thing could happen over the next 48 hours and the same thing might happen again where it's canceled but here's hoping that that isn't what happens and I get to experience all the things we've been thinking about for a year now but I'm very excited for you I think you're gonna just almost be overwhelmed over there but I I know the type of person you are I know you've probably researched it all I know you probably like know what's coming but I don't think you're emotionally gonna know until you get there right Caroline my oldest is really going through some fearful times this week where she started watching me pack last weekend and I think it triggered some real fears in her that I've not been gone this long ever from her and because she's seven she's kind of unfamiliar with airplane travel and so She's really concerned at this point with, is my flight going to make it there? Is my airplane going to make it there in one piece? She's worried about the safety of me flying more than, more than the safety of me being there. Just because she's so unsure with airplane safety. I mean, airplane travel. So we're definitely going through some of that at home, having to have conversations with her. I've shared scriptures with her, you know, for God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Um, Different situations in the Bible where people were fearful and what God did to rescue them out of the fear and 
we've prayed several times over it. I know that she's, I know that she's good. She's already seeming to be improved um, in the amount of worry she had. I mean, she was in tears and it was a rough weekend, but um, she seems more confident now. And I can only blame that on the power of prayer. I, I kind of like pled with my church on Sunday, like, please just, I mean, before you lift me up and before you lift up safe travels, I just need you to pray for her because she's really struggling. And I can see with my own eyes the difference that that's made. So that's been really cool to watch. And I just know that that's going to be, like I said, magnified times 10,000 as this week plays out. But Well, I'm very excited to hear about it when you get back. Um, I know you'll probably have some access and contact with your family and everything over there, but I know for sure. Um, this podcast is going to be a awesome, even if, you know, a very few people listen to it or whatever, like you'll be able to like share that soundbite with your family and friends, you know, one year, 10 years, whatever down the road. So I think that's going to be really, really cool to document yeah. when you return. Super, super excited to see. I was looking at the itinerary today and I had kind of forgotten. I hadn't looked at the itinerary since it got canceled in November, but I mean, we're supposed to board like a first century boat across the Sea of Galilee. We're supposed to swim in the Dead Sea. I'm going to be baptized in the Jordan River. Like just really surreal experiences that, I don't know, like I said at the beginning, I just never thought I'd get the chance to experience these things. So this has just been a true blessing to even be able to think about experiencing, much less actually going. So I can't wait to share it all when I get back. Um, that's really what my focus has been on lately, getting prepared, my family prepared, prepared for me being gone for 10 days or so. But what's been going on with you? Um, nothing quite as exciting. Um, March is going to be wild for myself. Um, I have a work trip next week. I go to California for the entirety of the week. Um, I'm excited. Um, it's a leadership training, so I'm excited. I'm graduating. So that kind of chapter is over and I, hopefully I get to start implementing some of this stuff, um, at work, but it is going to be nice to be in California. I wasn't there too long ago, but, um, obviously the focus this time is a little different, but I do enjoy a lot of parts of California. So I'm excited for that. Um, and then the day I get back, I prep for a wedding. Um, I don't know who knows this or needs to know this, but on the side, I do day of wedding coordinating. And so, um, a lot of my weekends are consumed with creating timelines, talking to vendors, talking with brides, things like that. And then actually going to these weddings and, um, coordinating. So I have a wedding when I get back and then, you and I need to figure out our podcast schedule because I do have, and it's very minor, it's not a big deal, but I do have a surgery at the end of March and then our work picks up because it is breeding season. So it's very, very crazy in the next few months, but, um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm energized. I'm ready. And I think there's a lot of good things coming down the pipe. I don't know necessarily what they are, but I just have good feelings all the way through. Tell me what the different, tell me why you distinguish day of wedding coordinator. Mostly time. Um, So the wedding industry 
and I have not been on this planet very long. And I also know the um, comparison to the wedding planner, those who can't do plan. That's me. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, wedding planning has become overwhelming and it has become, in my opinion, too much. I think a lot of people are getting away from the reason to get married, but that's a whole different podcast episode. Um, But, you know, these brides want all these things and they want it very custom to them and they want their hands on it. But when it comes to day of, you know, they don't want the vendors to be calling them on their personal phone. They don't want to make sure that the makeup artist is going to arrive on time. They won't, they don't want to have to cut the cake and serve it to their guests because they couldn't find somebody. They don't want to worry about the DJ saying the right or wrong thing or playing the wrong song or whatever. And so day of coordinating has kind of probably in the last five years, I would say somebody might correct me, but it has become a very um, prominent wedding need. And I say day of, I work with brides about three months out from their wedding, because by that time, all the vendors are booked and have their deposits. um, So, you know, they're coming, (laughs) hopefully. Um, so that's when I start reaching out, getting their timelines of like how long they need to do makeup, hair, all that. So really I'm more than a day of coordinator, but that's what they call it because on the day of, I call the shots, I'm the contact, I'm the bride's basically bodyguard. Like I protect her from crazy mother-in-laws. I protect her from moms who want their opinions on everything. I protect her when a vendor doesn't show up. Like I'm basically just her best friend that day and I love it. It's chaotic. It's crazy, but there's a little planning that goes into it and a lot of just chaos management and I love it so much. It's so great. That sounds like a really fun job Um, for you, but not for me. I'm not interested in that at all. Because <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes a certain breed and I, I don't necessarily want to sit here and say I, I am that type of person, but I do excel at it. And it's kind of one of those jobs that I found that I get to do one. It's not my full full-time job. Like it's not what I'm basing, you know, my entire bank account on, but it's a nice supplement. It's, um, really fun for me. It's a fun way for me to meet people. Um, you know, like we've talked about numerous times, I'm not from here. I'm not native. And, um, you know, I, I don't do much besides work. And so it's really nice for me to like meet new people that found me on the internet and booked me. And then I meet them and their bridal parties. And then I meet their friends and it just, I've created such a cool environment for myself, you know, cause I'm not a bar hopper. I'm not a, a socialite and I don't live in a very populated town. So I kind of created it one to create a social life for me, but, and then also a supplemental income, but it's very peaceful when I work and when I do day of coordinating. And I think that means I'm doing it right. I'm glad you have a piece about it really, because to me it sounds, and you said this, but it sounds like absolute chaos. And I, I don't necessarily mean, I guess my biggest worry would be like living up to the expectations of a, a bride, bridezilla type situation. Um, obviously she has it in her head exactly what she wants this day to look like. And she's trusting you with that. So that just seems like a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I, I, um, I've had this conversation a few times, but I have, 
a servant mindset, you know, in work, in life, whatever. I want to make everybody around me enjoy whatever they're doing, make their life easier, um, and just contribute as much as I can. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. But a lot of it has to do with me setting those expectations of the bride and I've had numerous conversations and the great thing is is that it's not my full income so I can turn down I can spot a crazy bride the first email right so I've been fortunate enough that I haven't had to turn any down or like had to say I'm sorry I don't think we're going to work well together I've been very very fortunate but you know you're setting those expectations of you are giving me the wheel you have to trust me And at the end of the day, as long as the love of your life and you get married, that's the whole point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot, you know, I've dealt with mother-in-laws. I've dealt with mothers. I've dealt with terrible bridesmaids. I've dealt with photographers canceling the day of the wedding. Like I've, I've dealt with it all and it doesn't stress me out. And for how high strung I am, you would think it would. (laughs) That is, I'd love to, like, I, I've been to a party that you've planned, but I've never been to a wedding that you planned. I would, or I guess coordinated, I would love to see you in action. Just, but like unbeknownst to you, just me standing there and you having no idea why. Um, my wedding was balling on the budget. We catered our own wedding. And I don't remember how many people we cooked for, but we had the spread. You talk about Texas Mexican food. We had fajitas. We had queso guacamole. We had salsa. We had homemade tortillas, rice and beans. Dude, it was good food. Good food. And I don't really remember a whole lot about my wedding day because it was such a blur. But I remember eating. It was good. Of course, that's the thing that I'm going to remember the most is eating the food. And I'm sure Mitchell, that makes Mitchell happy because he's a fantastic cook and he loves to feed people. So. The fact that I remember that part, he's like, oh, that's fine with me. Um, but we catered our own wedding. We had it at our church that we're members of. So that was free. Um, we had our reception at the church, too. We had an after party at his parents' house where all of our friends came to afterwards. Um, it was, I mean, it felt expensive because we still had to buy everything. But it was way less expensive than... Some of my friends who got married soon after me or even before me, um, we definitely like tried every money saving tactic in the world. So it's funny to see where weddings have come, have gone now and how expensive a wedding can be from start to finish. It's out of control, honestly. And if we're being totally honest, which we normally are on this podcast, Um, my dream is to elope, which sounds crazy because weddings like are a part of my income. Um, but yeah, I, to me, it's been overdone. Like the wedding you had sounds like a dream to me. That's what my sister's was. We had it catered, but like, you know, it was at the family ranch and the tents were my uncle's and, um, you know, it was just, it was low key and it was just the people that you love the most were there and, you just had a party and celebrated and, and that's what it should be. Um, but now like some of the stuff that the brides want are um, some of the things that they hire out. I'm like, girlfriend, you are not going to remember that or nobody's yeah. going to remember that. And so some of that, it, 
it's good because it keeps me in business and you know, I, I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy the coordinating, but when it's my turn, whoever marries me, I'm first of all, I'm really sorry, but whoever marries me, (laughs) whoever marries me, like, I just want to go. I mean, I'd probably want my parents there. Maybe, I don't know. I just want to go get married, have a party later when we can both afford it. And it doesn't need to be a hoopla, you know? I understand. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. I'm thankful that we did it the way that we did because we didn't start out in stinking debt because of an expensive wedding. Um, That just seems so silly to me because you both, if you put them side by side at the end, you both have the same certificate. So it doesn't really, I mean, whatever suits your fancy, but I'm not trying to start out my marriage where it's already a financial struggle in financial debt. Yeah. That, that doesn't interest me at all. So I really was thankful that we did it the same, the way that we did. And it was fun. I remember, I remember being so stressed the week before and it wasn't even about the wedding. It was about catering the food. Like, I mean, Mitchell cooked like for hours before the wedding, the day before the wedding, trying to make sure everything was cooked. We had mom making rice, mom's making beans, like so-and-so's going to Sam's and getting the groceries. It was just, it was a cool experience to be able to sit down at our rehearsal and eat the food that we cooked and watch everybody else just be like, whoa, I've never had wedding food be this good. And I mean, of all the things, that's the most fun thing to remember is the the dang food. I I always, I'm always going to come back to that though. But that's what it's about. I mean, look at the story that you just told your family pitched in, like that's the whole point. Yeah. And like on the Texas episode, you know, you said there's always food around everything. It's true. Like that made that day even more special because the food came from the heart. And then we, our honeymoon, we went to Savannah, Georgia, and that was honestly the sole reason we went to Savannah, Georgia was because Paula Dean lived there. <laughs> and we had the best time. It's, I don't know if you've ever been to Savannah. I have. I love Savannah. It is so pretty. So we went there for our honeymoon and then we went there for our baby moon before Caroline was born. And I just, I want to go back all the time. I think about it so often. It's so pretty, such a cute Southern town. Um, We stayed on a beach about 15 miles away and that was a little retirement community, just precious. So when we went to our honeymoon, we found Paula's actual house that she lives in. And then we found the house that she films in. We met her brother at the Uncle Bubba's whatever, whatever seafood restaurant between Tybee Island and Savannah. And he commented on how pretty my ring was. I mean, it was it was a cool experience. So even the honeymoon was sur- surrounded around food. Um, I feel like every road trip we go on, the first question we ask is, where are we going to eat in this town? We'll get on like foodnetwork.com and find restaurants that were featured on any of the TV shows. And that those are the restaurants we're going to choose when we go on a road trip. And it, that part's just been fun. So, I mean, this is so off topic, but food is just like the center of everything. It feels like around here for sure. And for sure for my family. So back to the wedding thing, that's what made it so cool everybody was eating the food that we cooked we prepared we slaved over and labored through that whole week and stressed and it was just fun to feed people I love it um 
where would you say your most favorite place you've ever been is? And I know Israel is going to be the answer in a couple (laughs) weeks, but for right now. Um, Cabo was beautiful. Cabo is very beautiful. Yes. I didn't realize you'd been to Cabo. Um, Girl, I've been everywhere. I know. There's a song about that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Cabo was a different experience. That was my first all-inclusive resort. So that was alone was a game changer. Um, Cabo San Lucas, not necessarily my vibe. It was nice to go into town, like, you know, sparingly. We would go and, like, eat at the local places that are they're known for like Edith's and the office we went to those places but um my favorite part of Cabo Flora Farms and it's a like um, I don't know how many acres it is but they have a restaurant on site it's they raise cattle they raise chickens they you know grow all this food and so everything in this restaurant is made from like quality ingredients from the farm And that was some of the best food I've ever had. Some of the best drinks I've ever had. It was just a really cool experience. They had little booths with like homemade soaps. And um, I don't, I don't know. It was so cute. And it was a long taxi ride to get there, but I still get emails from them and I just salivate because the food was so good and it was just a cute experience. But I would think right now Cabo is probably my favorite place just because I was able to fully relax in Cabo. I was, you know, thousands of miles away from my kids. I knew they were in good hands. It was after I had had the twins. So I was probably at my wits end as far as being pulled in a hundred different directions. And for our anniversary, I actually on my Facebook memories today was the day that we flew out anniversary is in a couple days we went for our anniversary and I remember just being able to like exhale and truly enjoy and it took me a couple days to get fully immersed in like relaxation but once I did I was it was a different experience than I had remembered experiencing ever I don't know that I've gotten back to that point since then but I think that's got to be my favorite place because I was able to actually relax and let my mind shut off I think that's the best sleep I've ever gotten like I think I like I didn't do anything when I was down there like we literally went to sit by the pool and do nothing and like I would sit on my bed at like we would go to dinner we came back to the room and I would sit on the edge of my bed at like 7 30 and then I don't remember anything after that and I woke up and it the sun was up and we re- we did it again. I slept so good and slow, so hard. And this was before I was like an actual working girl. Like this was bef- like the week before I started my first big kid job. But I mean, I've worked my whole life, but it was like surreal to me that like people do that frequently. The like overall attitude and like, look on life outlook on life is so different there it's just so much slower paced aside from the taxi drivers who drive like oh my gosh yes but everything's just super relaxed like there's just nothing there's no rushing around it'll all get done like there's no it's no worry and I 
hadn't experienced anything like it. And that was just a really cool, really relaxing for me. Where would your favorite place be? Um, you know, I asked this knowing that you were going to ask me back and I have no answer. Um, I have loved everywhere I've traveled. Um, even, and I know two people from this place, I doubt they listen, but even West Virginia, I really liked, and it's tough to like sometimes, but, um, you know, I, I really do enjoy the East coast. I don't particularly care for the speed or the attitude necessarily, but I really do think it's gorgeous. Um, I really liked Maryland a whole lot. Um, it was beautiful. The seafood is to die for. It's so good. So, so good. Um, and just like the cultural experience, it's, it's a completely different way of life. You know, the houses are just like stacked up next to each other. Like they couldn't fit another house in and that part. I don't necessarily love, but it's just like a completely different mindset. Right. Um, you know, I, when I go to different places, I really enjoy looking at the houses and I know that's super lame, but I enjoy looking at the houses and the different architecture and the different like prices even like when we were in California we were in an outskirt town outside of Napa and I was like you know I wonder what one of these like little trailer houses would cost because honestly that's where all the workers lived so I was like surely it can't be that bad if all the workers live here and then commute to the vineyards and work you know in the uppity place but we googled and a two bedroom trailer with one bathroom and it was pretty sketch but it was $625,000 oh my gosh yeah it was crazy and I was like holy buckets and so like that stuff like that totally fascinates me and I'm getting way off the question but um I would say oh man this is so hard um I would say Montana was my favorite just for the views. Mm -hmm. I would say Maryland is my favorite for the seafood. I would say California is my favorite, obviously, for the wine. And I would say home is my favorite place to visit for a multitude of reasons. It's got all of it. It's got my mom's cooking. It's got my parents both there. It's got the mountains. It's got all the animals we talked about in the Texas episode. It's just, it's, I took it for granted growing up there. And now that I'm not there, like I was truly very fortunate to grow up in such a magical place. Right. Yeah. I mean, so many people close to me are like, Colorado is one of my favorite places. My boss tells me that Taylor is his favorite place on earth. Um, and I've never been, I drive one, but I've never, um, <laughs> I'm going to ride to tell you ride one day though. That's for sure. Place that you, you listed off a bunch of places you've been, I did not realize you've been that many places. Where is a place, let's go domestic that you want to visit. Domestic. Oof. Um, yeah, I, I think I've been to 40 some states um somewhere I want to go domestic 
I would love to go. Okay, I've got an answer. I would love to go to New York and and but a very short amount of time. I've been to I've stopped in New York. I've connected in New York and it was crazy. But I want to do New Year's in New York or mm. Christmas, either one. I know that there's like a lot of filth and rats and all that stuff, but I would like to see it in its prime at those times of the year. And then I would like to go to the outskirts of New York because I've heard it's very beautiful. I've heard it's very farm. Mm -hmm. Like it's pretty farm ground. And I'm not a big dairy cow fan, but I I just love a Holstein on green grass. And I, that's what I picture when they tell me what the outskirts of New York looks like. But right. Yeah, that would be somewhere I haven't been that I would like to visit. What about you? Um, mine's. I want to go to Kennebunkport, Maine. It's very specific. I know. I was gonna say mine's very specific, but so the Bush, like the presidents, they had a vacation home in Kennebunkport, Maine, and I remember reading that as a kid and looking up what that. Was. And then I had some friends from college go to Maine and they posted pictures. They were gorgeous. And it's just a place I want to go. Um, from what I can tell, it's beautiful there. It's probably unlike anything I've seen. And so I want to experience like the New England um, seaside. Who lives in boston and so she's kind of in the area not necessarily the main area but like can quickly get the new england seaside experience and so um anywhere up there really but i've it's been like i really want to just spend a long weekend in Kennebunkport, maine so i mean i don't know how long that flight is i'm sure it's a good four five hours so yeah it's a ways that's like your northeast most northeastern point right yeah, sure is. So, yeah, that's where I'd go. I think that's where I'd go. That is not what I thought you were going to say. For what did you think? I thought you would have gone west for sure. Montana's on the list. I've been to California. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Montana's definitely on the list. I want like a meadow. And with like. Listen, all you need to do is go to my house. You get the same experience. Right. But like porches all the way around, like yep, good scenery, a fire, of quiet. <laughs> I, I envision quiet time when I'm in Montana. It's um, almost too quiet. I can imagine that's true. Yeah, yeah. There's parts though that I'm like, just just six hours. Just give me six hours of Montana quiet. You want to know what I want to know about Kara Jeffcoat? What is it? How are you to travel with? Like, what type of traveler are you? I have fear of being in an airport by myself. Really? That surprises me. And I don't know that I have it in me to do it without getting lost. Really? Yeah. That absolutely fascinates me. I tell people. And they're like, are you kidding me? But like, I've never done it by myself. I've never flown by myself. I'm not going to fly by myself in the next two days or three days. Um, 
but like even business opportunities that have arisen where it's like, okay, I could go to the thing in this state and fly by myself to get there. It's like, that feels so daunting to me because it's going to be in an airport that I don't know how, I don't fly often enough to remember my way around and like what signs I'm looking for, what this word means. Like I just familiar enough with flying. And so it really worries me. I'm a fantastic road tripper. I am down with a good road trip. Got to conquer this flying along fear. Yeah, you do. You just need to travel with me a couple times and you'll be fine. Well, I mean, then I'm not conquering the fear, but yeah, let's go. Where are we going? We're going to I mean, we gotta we gotta put the training wheels on and then we gotta slowly take them off. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I'm gonna really I'm I'm gonna go through one, two. Three, four, five, six, six airports, five airports in the next two weeks. And they're not domestic. You got some international going too. Customs, man. I'm really dreading that part. Especially with COVID and like pending World War Three. Like, what does that look like? You're about to find out. <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you know in the post Israel podcast. Yes, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, no, I I am the complete opposite. I love to travel alone. I'm very efficient. I I love traveling. I love flying. I have basically like the A-list or preferred or whatever. I used to at least on all the airlines because I used to travel for work. So I would skip through the security lines. I would get my preferred seat. I'm a window sitter 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 uh-huh. whatever you want to call it um i sit at the window i sit right before the wing um i yeah i'm i'm a good traveler my parents love traveling with me because i'm so efficient but then like people sometimes get mad traveling with me because like they like to dilly dally and i do not i do not like i want to get to my gate and then like like check in make sure everything's good and then go get snacks or go whatever and they're like well let's get some snacks on the way no we're going to the gate and then we can get snacks yeah no I feel that way too I need to make everything checked off my list that I'm good and then I will go eat I'm probably starving when I get to the airport but my nerves are so shot by the time I get to the gate that it's like okay I'm gonna exhale just a second and then I'm gonna feel my face because (laughs) I'm hungry and this is not my best self yeah and I definitely am the travel agent of my friend group like especially my in my family too my sister ended up in the hospital a while back down here in Dallas and so my mom booked her own flight or whatever and then stuff got pretty serious and so my mom wanted my dad there too and so and my dad is is very world traveled like he used to be on the U.S. ski team he was a ski jumper like they sent him everywhere. He knows how to travel. But in this day and age, you know, everything's apps and um, quick and, you know, all in your hand. And he's not used to that. And so, like, within seven minutes, I had him a flight, a parking spot, a car, and a hotel ready to go. Oh, my gosh. Like, I love booking travel. I love when my friends call me and they're like, hey, um do you think this is okay? I'm like, no, you can find it cheaper and you can find a way better flight. Let me do it for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now I know who I'm calling. 
I know. Maybe that's what I, that's another empire I should do is travel stuff. Travel, you're, you could be a travel agent. I could be a travel agent. Add it to the list. We should, do you have a list? A list of jobs I want to do? Yeah, like written down somewhere or is it mental? It's in my brain, but I do have an ongoing list of little empires I want to, want to build. Build. I love it. I have a little list too in my brain, but I don't know that any of them will actually come to fruition. I really stink in love what I do right now. So we'll just keep riding that train. I know. I, I do like what I do. I just, for some reason, something in my brain is always like, Hey, you're good at this. Make a business out of it. And I don't know why I do that. Cause then I stop loving it. Right. Then it becomes less fun. Yeah. So word of advice if you have a hobby and you want to make a business out of it, I encourage you fully, but make sure you're willing to fall out of love with it occasionally. And fall back in again. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I love it. That's good advice. Well, I guess the next time we talk, it will be post-Israel and yep. we will wrap that up and share all the experiences. Man, I know they're going to be so good. I'm really excited. And then there's no telling what's going to happen here in Texas over the next couple of weeks and what weather patterns we're going to see. So I'm excited to hear about that when I get back. It sounds like it's going to be beautiful there, like highs in the 60s, lows in the 40s. So, I mean, that sounds great. Anyway, maybe some stability in weather patterns. Yeah, I'm um, excited. I'm excited for both of us in the next couple of weeks. Mostly excited for you because your trip is outstanding and it's everything you could ever want. But, um, yeah, cool too though. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's um, it's kind of daunting to think that we won't see each other for a while because like we've gotten in such a habit of like once a week we're doing this. I know. I'm really dependent upon the food now. Me Never too. Back to the food. Back to the food. Yep. Yep. That's our, that's our ritual. The diet before we decide what we're going to eat or who's going to get it and where from. Yep. And you barge through my door at 545 and my dog mauls you because she loves you so much. <laughs> and we eat and then we talk and then we go to bed. It's like the perfect girl's night. By the time we finish this episode, our eyes are getting a little heavy. Like we just know this is, this is where this ends for this time. <laughs> This is where we leave you now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kara. Well, obviously, by the time this broadcasts, it's you're going to be in Israel. But I do wish you safe travels. Um, I'm excited for you. Um, I always do a shameless plug. Check us out on Instagram. That's where we'll keep updates. That's what we should do. You should send us updates on the gram. I got you, girl. I got you. There we go. Yeah, check us out on Instagram, follow Kara's trip in Israel, follow our podcast journey. Um, Yeah, go check it out, Mimosas with Hermosa podcast on the gram. All right, well, cheers to trips for both of us and coming back safely and doing it all next time. Yes, thank you and good night.